That's some sweet, sweet intro music. I know. I, I love that. <laughs> Turn that up in my headphones. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> well, uh, welcome to everyone watching and especially those watching live for That's this so recording cool. where we've got a, a collab going, an impromptu collab <laughs> between uh, me as a representative of Friends Talking Fantasy podcast. Uh, and I'm ready to talk some fantasy with my friends, uh, but not Charles, who is usually my co-host, because we, uh, uh, yeah, well, he wasn't able to make it tonight. But I'm lucky to be joined by Hannah and Laura, Hannah and Laura from On Wednesdays We Read podcast. Uh, so yeah, welcome y'all. Thanks, Thanks so much. Us. We're ready to talk some fantasy with our friends as well. Yes. So thank you so much for inviting us on, Dylan. Yes, I'm really happy that you all were able to make it. And we're here to discuss a topic that is near and dear to my heart, uh, which is uh, as, as a person who's done my share of rereading my favorite fantasy novels. We're going to be talking about our uh, top fantasy book recommendations for books that we feel are worth rereading. So we've got a really exciting list of books to talk about. And these are the books that a lot of times get even better the second oh. time or even the third time around. <laughs> I can honestly say that I'm not a huge rereader. So this is a little yeah. bit of a difficult topic, but I have many books that I think people should reread. So Hannah will on. oblige me every now and then and she'll do a reread <laughs> with me like a buddy read. <laughs> if it's like my birthday or something. All right. Well, <laughs> when it comes to Anna, do as she says, not as she does. All right? Exactly. But Thank you. That's how I live my life. <laughs> <laughs> all right. And Laura, where do you stand on, on rereading? Sounds like you know what? more I of a reader am than Hannah. in the middle of a reread, so I guess firmly approve. Huh? Nice. I also firmly approve. And yeah, we've got a, a nice list. We'll all come in and uh, offer our own. I I can start. I mean, uh, it's. Uh, I'll I'll probably start with a book that, at the very least, I know Hannah can relate to, oh, and uh, I yeah, bet I could guess one. it, Dylan. <laughs> you think you can guess it? I, I think if you book? gave me three guesses, uh, it would be "The Name of the Wind" by Pat Patrick Rothfuss. Look at that. You didn't even need three guesses. You needed <laughs> one total guess. Uh, it, it is going to be the name of the wind. Uh, the whole Kingkiller Chronicle, if oh. we're being honest. And uh, this is a series by Patrick Rothfuss. Uh, I'm starting with a heavy hitter. We'll, we'll get to a few deeper cuts for sure as we move through this. But uh, this one for me is one that I've reread over and over and over again. And I think... Uh, Probably the number one reason is that it's just got absolutely incredible prose. Like Patrick Rothfuss, he's come out with two books, two novellas as well, one pretty recently. <laughs> and he, you can tell why perhaps that third book has been taking well over a decade and who knows how long to get done because every single sentence is so perfectly honed and crafted and i i really appreciate that uh it's for for anyone not aware of the kinkiller chronicle it's basically this 
story of a, a legendary wizard named Quoth who is uh, telling his stories, uh, frame stories, what they call it, uh, of how he came to be this legendary wizard and also how he ended up uh, by the start of the book being just a, a humble innkeeper in a small town. Um, it is, yeah, two books out, uh, third book, who knows when. And one of the <laughs> fun things about that is you get endless speculation on the reread as well, where like you're at first you're just following all the plot and, uh, you know, letting that beautiful Rothfuss prose uh, just mm. wash over you. But on the second read, you start noticing some of the foreshadowing and where that's coming in and you also can engage with a very um a very excited community to uh, very excited to get that third book uh perhaps a little impatient but people i mean there's like a king killer subreddit uh, where people just speculate and analyze this over and over and over again uh and there's also Oh, an unreliable narration element to it, which I think is really fun to try to pick apart, especially when we don't have the thing yet. And on the on the reread, you might notice some inconsistencies in Quoth's story on uh, how everything played out. And yeah, all that, uh, in addition to, of course, the fact that you want to stay super fresh on these two books so read them over and over again because you just never know third book could be coming out tomorrow for all we know probably not i think there would be a little bit more of a who knows <laughs> does patrick rothfuss know like so timely <laughs> if that book came out tomorrow <laughs> what's the date january 24th if that comes out on the 25th dylan is a wizard <laughs> you wish you reread that book already, Hannah. Uh, Hannah. So, uh, no, I love that book series. I have read both books as well. That was one of the first books like I read uh, back when I was getting back into reading. And I remember I didn't know too much about it going into it. I didn't know that there was like a mysterious third book. Um, and it was just fun to read. I thought I really liked the unreliable narrator. I really liked the world building, the prose, as you said. Uh, and just like the deep characters that you really never know what to expect with them. Uh, I also think that the speculation of what Patrick Rothfuss has planned next is interesting because it, it kind of reminds me of back when like Game of Thrones hadn't been finished and everyone was speculating like, Ooh, do, do you know about this theory? Do you yeah. know about this theory? And uh, the King Killer Chronicles definitely has that like, repeat energy of people just super excited to see who's going to be right and what's going to come next uh even if patrick Rothfuss is going to tease everyone and be like it's not coming out unless i think it's good so stop bothering <laughs> me about it so. <laughs> i will just yeah. say if anyone has not checked out Pat patrick Rothfuss's reviews of children's books on goodreads <laughs> do yourself a favor and go check those out they're amazing especially his eloise review that was fantastic <laughs> If you're dying for some Rothfuss writing, that's your next yes. stop, guys. That, don't go there the now. <laughs> don't sleep. It is less of a commitment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, he's uh, he's got a very interesting voice, and it just anything that he writes between authors' notes, reviews, or of course his novels, it just shines through. And you do see there's this sort of meandering way that, uh, especially by the second book, The Wise Man's Fear, uh, that. Uh, Rothfuss writes, but it's super enjoyable because he's just 
got such an incredible voice and such incredible prose and and his reviews are kind of the same way <laughs> it's like you'll you'll see him just like go off in tangent as like some personal story that has nothing to do with the book and then he'll wrap it back in in just the most perfect way so, huge fan of Rothfuss and those books good to know well um, i have one for a reread option it's probably like the most basic one ever but i'm currently listening to it uh the hobbit by J.R.R. Yes. Tolkien. Uh, I am currently listening to the audiobook narrated by Andy Serkis, and I cannot mm. say enough good things about this audiobook. It is fantastic. I highly recommend people check out that form. It's like listening to a movie, and I, the book by itself is just wonderful, but when you add Andy Serkis into this, it takes it to a whole nother level. Well, I can admit that I have read The Hobbit and I did really like The Hobbit, but I have said recently on our podcast that I am not the best Tolkien fan of them all. <laughs> uh, and I do Dylan ejector for that. <laughs> Pick me I out of this stream right now. Because uh, I, I only recently read the entire trilogy and I think I just haven't learned to love it as much as everyone else does. But I should probably check out the audiobooks because Laura really loves those. Yes, you need to. <laughs> Well, regarding the trilogy, I'll say it's too bad Charles isn't here because he's the the huge uh, Tolkien head because I, I actually didn't read uh, the Lord of the Rings trilogy until like toward the start of our podcast, uh, where I just felt like they would take away my fancy podcaster's license if I <laughs> didn't read the books. Like, of course, I'd seen the movies, I'd, which are great rewatches, by the way. Mm -hmm. I don't know if rewatches oh. count, but. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so. But the books can be a little like dense and uh, and feel of their time. But of course, they're classics. Yeah, uh, <laughs> got C. M. Kaplan <laughs> saying Hannah just you needs need to, to read the, the Silmarillion and then she'll. Oh, wait, that's she'll that's what to... I need to do. <laughs> that, that sounds <laughs> like okay. a good starting point for anyone who that's wants to get really into Tolkien's works. Turn me into a, a lover of that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But The Hobbit is super accessible and makes yes. a lot of yes. sense as a reread, especially I. you have me wanting to check out the Andy Circus. It's uh, so good. He uh, sings audiobook. the songs. Oh, it's fantastic. I, I do genuinely love The Hobbit. I remember I read uh, the first Lord of the Rings and I was like, I don't know. It's not really my style in high school. And my dad was like, read The Hobbit. You'll like that one. And I did very much enjoy that one. So Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's like, I think that a lot, like a lot of the books that I thought of, uh, not including Rolfus's work are a little bit shorter, a little bit easier reads because sometimes like I have no intention, sorry, big Tolkien heads. Um, <laughs> I, which is definitely not what that fan base is called. Uh, I have no intention <laughs> of rereading those books. Uh, it is more of like a, Oh, I'm glad I read this for the context mm -hmm. and understanding all that. Hashtag but, Tolkien heads. So you can keep <laughs> your fantasy, fantasy card. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Don't want that fantasy yeah. card to get revoked. So no. Uh, well, I can go next on one of my favorites. It's a recent one that we did on the pod. And I actually reread the first book for it. The Greenbone Saga. Um, yes. oh, yeah. I adore these books. They're by Fonda Lee. Uh, they are a trilogy. It is like more modern, like parallel world type fantasy where you have uh, people in John Loon who 
Uh, it's a country that is similar to, I believe, Japan. Um, and they have like different powers when they use jade that makes them have like stronger abilities. They're stronger, faster, but there's a lot of like real world elements to it. Uh, Fonda Lee worked in, Laura, please correct me if I'm wrong, but finance. And so she, yes. her world building mm -hmm. is spot on when it comes to like using jade as a commodity uh, in like a real world area where there's politics and there's people trying to trade and people trying to smuggle things outside the country. Uh, and it's all surrounded in like a very mafia-esque family. Uh, and I adored that series. I thought it was so wonderfully done. And the third book especially like hit me in a way that I wasn't expecting because it's, it's a type of book that you don't think a lot of people will go to for a trilogy. And I thought it was just so effective. And I can't wait to reread those, even though I'm not a huge rereader because they're just so excellent. And to see like the foreshadowing because Fonda Lee is just such an excellent uh, writer. So if you're ready to be heard again, go ahead <laughs> and read those books a second time. Right. Uh, and then we have in the comments, the clan is my blood and the pillar is its master. So, <laughs> Yeah, that's a fantastic series. And I think uh, one of Fonda's greatest talents is she's really willing to just let herself go when it comes to the world building. Mm -hmm. And she builds... What, what feels like a, a really believable culture and thinks yeah. through all of like, oh, what would be the economic effects of uh, having Jade involved here? And, and mm -hmm. like, uh, I, I think that's something <clears throat> that is really great upon a reread is to uh, really, you can kind of take a step back from folks that are like, oh, what's going to happen next to this plot? <laughs> Especially something as tense as a lot of stuff that's happening in the Greenbone yeah. saga. And just be like, oh, wow, that's really cool how she set that up. And right. uh, I believe that you all have interviewed Fonda Lee. Yes, interviewed we made her, her apologize for her crimes against the Green Bone Clan. <laughs> we also got her on the pod twice, so we yes. didn't scare her away the first time. After Friend we of the pod, we Nubala. love Fonda yeah. Lee. <laughs> Friend of the pod who yeah. spends most of her time apologizing when she's yes. on the pod. But <laughs> exactly. She owes us. That's how you know the book is good, if you have yeah. to yeah. spend... Yeah, the author has to apologize immediately. Raise your hand if you've been personally victimized by Fonda Lee. <laughs> like, right. Everyone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> everyone in the room. <laughs> I think it'd be interesting on a reread, too, because all of the characters in that series are so morally gray to see huh. how you feel about the characters a second time through. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Hilo is one of the the great characters yes. of uh, modern fantasy, I feel like. And uh, another interesting thing is how the time frame of those books are like, I've, I've never really seen that before where a book basically goes over the, or a series goes over the course of just decades, at least in, right. uh, mm -hmm. I mean, I'm sure there's plenty of other examples, but none come to mind. But it does it so seamlessly over the course of three books, yeah. which is, I think, what's because I think other books do it, but it's usually over like a longer time span. And this one's like, nope, you're going to get snapshots and you're going to know that stuff happened while you were not here. <laughs> so. Right. And you get to on the reread, you're like reading about characters that are just children. And you're like, I know this character as an adult and exactly what they're like. And, and I don't the like them very much. Right. <laughs> right now, they're just an innocent child. So yeah. I can't hate them. Never grow up. Um. <laughs> well, all right. Let's uh, let's get to a book that I want to make sure I talk about because 
we actually had you on the podcast <gasps> to discuss a book that I reread in anticipation of said podcast episode. Oh my. Oh, who, I don't well, want to come down. down. Oh, that's so rude. I loved that. Oh, thank yeah, you. It, yes. Two thumbs up. Wait. <laughs> two thumbs up. It's going to do fireworks. Isn't oh, that that's wacky? so fun. I wish. Yeah. It's, uh, your, your computer is smarter than mine. So I actually hate it because it, you know, disrupts. Uh, the flow of whatever we're trying to do like when i'm talking about how great a book is and then it just it has thumbs a thumbs down, down up here well, I'm like, for women's fiction like, <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's how i feel about this wow John. Uh, no, i know, I know. No, but in fact i actually feel more like this about oh, piranesi and it's so this one's interesting. I think uh, you all, you probably haven't had the chance to reread it yet, I, I imagine. No, but uh, I have but... forced at least two people to read that book after we Same. finished reading it. Yeah. I gave it to two people for Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Yeah. I mean, this book, it's it's just a really beautifully written book with fantastic prose and also just it throws you into this mysterious world of a like a labyrinth that is uh, just seemingly endless and mystical and you're in the head of a character who is uh, like writing journal entries basically and he while he knows a lot about how to survive in this labyrinth, he doesn't really know a lot of what's going on about at the start anything. of the book. Yeah. And it's very slowly, well, I mean, as much as it can in a relatively small book, yeah. it slowly unfurls and you start to understand what's going on. You just get these little hints. And you're like, oh, that guy, I don't trust that guy. Like, And mm -hmm. there's a little, little bit of the unreliable narrator thing going here, but more from the sense of like, he doesn't know what's going on rather than something like Quoth where it's like, I, like, I just, this guy, like, yeah. this guy is just making stuff up. Uh, the character in this one is... Uh, actually, I think like relatively innocent um, in how he comes off, but yes. it, you you get this sense of the the phrase I learned back in Mr. Miller's English class was, uh, I believe, dramatic irony. Right, that's when you, yeah. the viewer or reader, knows something that you that the character does not know, and like in very few books is it stronger than in Piranesi because the main character knows so little. And then you come back and you get to really get a whole new perspective on what's going on by nature of like knowing what is the actual deal with this labyrinth, knowing perhaps how he got there, knowing more things about the one other person that he interacts with yep. all of that <laughs> just sheds a whole new light. And you kind of uh, go from, okay, like I'm experiencing this with the character, I'm learning with mm -hmm. the character to, oh, like that's what was going on in this scene. Totally new perspective. Well, and the pacing in that happening. is phenomenal because it just, it starts off slow and like you said, beautiful prose. And then all of a sudden it's just ramped up to a thousand. You're like, whoa, all these things are <laughs> happening. I can't believe this. I freaking adore that now. And like knowing yeah. kind of, Clark was a writer who had been struggling, I believe, with chronic illness at that time or chronic pain at that time. And that was kind of what inspired this book. And knowing that that's 
the start of it and just reading what she created out of that is beautiful. And I adore that novel so much. I was so glad that you brought it into our lives still in because you were the one who suggested yeah. we read it. So thank you. You're welcome. I, <laughs> I feel pretty, that's one of the books, you know, I ever, you have some books in your back pocket that you're just like, Ooh, like this one, <laughs> I feel very confident. I can recommend it just about anyone. And mm -hmm. um, Piranesi right there. I mean, I'm not surprised that it's uh, made its way into the Christmas gifts. <laughs> it's a popular gift. No. <laughs> Specifically from Laura. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you're open a present from me, it might be Piranesi. <laughs> but Dylan, I guess I'll continue with the theme of books that you introduced us to. And I bet I can guess that. <laughs> I would suggest. I can guess that. I can yeah, guess that's, too. Uh, that's monstrous. I'm, monstrous. I'm guessing, right? Which but I know you, you I, oh, I've reread the series, I think, five times now. Mm -hmm. But I think yeah. it's necessary, honestly, because it's so complex that you have to do these rereads unless you have like a super brain, which I do not. I cannot remember all these details and all the mm -hmm. characters and all the different political things that are going on. So before each volume comes out, I plan like a couple weeks where I'm like, I'm going to reread all of Monstrous, Monstrous so I am caught up. And when volume eight came out just in November recently, I did a reread and then I buddy read. I, I did a buddy read of volume eight with a friend and he was very confused and I knew everything <laughs> that was going on. So I felt vindicated, but it's a fantastic series. I am so glad you introduced us to it mm -hmm. because I, I cannot say enough good things about the world building and especially the art. Sana Takeda is just phenomenal yeah i will still remember that we did do a like buddy discussion with ftf and the three of us were very confused on how something in the world building worked and like charles just swooped in and told us and we had just gotten done talking about how we never really like we read but we never so, really understood little intermission parts and he was yes. like here's how it works and we're like how did you know that and he's like well i read the intermission part guys like <laughs> there's these little interludes with professor tam tam who is this adorable little cat and a bunch of the world building is given in, in this and, and hannah and dylan and i were like oh yeah we kind of just skim those and charles was like no i take notes so <laughs> I'm a scholar and I know exactly what happened and we were all kind of embarrassed. <laughs> Who yeah. knew? I guys? wish I had, <laughs> I, I wish I had in the room with me that a copy of, uh, they're actually in a, a different room, unfortunately, but it, the artwork is so gorgeous and it's as yes. graphic novels go, like uh, I've read some that, understandably given the format are relatively light when it comes mm -hmm. to the world building doesn't get overly intricate when it comes to things like the politics but uh in monstrous you're just thrown into this world mostly through the view at least at at first of uh, the main character who is this uh girl who is uh from a i would say like a, an oppressed race mm -hmm. and uh, she also, like you, you learn pretty quickly that she, not a spoiler to say what's going on with, with her, right? Like, yeah, just a, yeah, okay. Hey, you learn pretty quickly. <laughs> she's got like a monster inside of her, basically, uh, and uh, it is just the way that 
you deal with like themes of oppression, um, also the way that the world building's established and all these different races down to the talking cats and mm-hmm. uh, all that kind of stuff. It's just like a super like dark, grim, dark feeling world, but that has an undertone of hope, uh, especially yeah. with my favorite character, Kippa. Little Fox, so like Fox Girl. <laughs> yes, but, I love uh, Kippa. <laughs> she's amazing. And even yes. just the way that's like illustrated, it works so well because it's like everything's so dark, everything's so dreary. And then they'll have uh, her as this, like she's like wearing bright. a light blue, if I'm remembering correctly, like most mm-hmm. of the time. And it's bright around her. And it's like, it's just, a, it really is a masterpiece. And it's one that I've, I've reread too. I've never reread them and I'm often confused because I just go off vibes only, but they're excellent and you should reread them. <laughs> I'm often confused. <laughs> what can I say? <laughs> do as I say, not as I do, everyone. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what could be a bigger endorsement of you have to reread this series than when someone's telling you that they're super confused, but yeah. still <laughs> on the first read (laughs) you're gonna love it even more when you understand everything that's happening like charles and his big uh his big binder full of notes on on the monstrous Monstrous, yeah (laughs) he has like a giant board across his bedroom like look this is where it all connects like (laughs) all of professor tam tam's lectures (laughs) All right. Well, this is a little bit different and a little bit of a throwback, but one of my favorite like fantasy novels of all time uh, is The Night Circus by Erin Morgenstern. Mm-hmm. Uh, I adored this novel. Uh, she wrote this uh, for as a NaNoWriMo novel, uh, and it is a like non-linear narrative uh, written from multiple viewpoints about these uh, two magicians who like make a bet to have to like have two protégés who will fight against each other uh and they do it via this like night circus that like pops up mystically all over town and throughout time these people sort of like weirdly start interacting through their competition and start learning more about each other and could even maybe fall in love and it's Mm -hmm. A novel that is incredibly atmospheric, like you just feel what's going on around you. And there's just like it, the imagery in it is beautiful. And I'm like, it's just, it's such a gorgeously written novel. And it's so fascinating to see like two people try to communicate, you know, kind of similar to like, this is how you lose the time war, but much bigger. Uh, And it's just, it's a very, very well-written novel. And like, I always highly recommend it because it's just one of my favorites of all time. I also listened to this book via audio the first time and like to be able to reread or just listen to it like over and over again and let it wash over you. It's, it's a huge comfort read. So always, always recommend a reread on that one. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's always good to have that book that you can go back to in, times especially if you're having like a reading slump or what have you mm-hmm. and you're like okay well this this i know i enjoy and, and yeah. we're not always in the mood to take on something new and ambitious like like monstrous let's say or, <laughs> or, or the king killer chronicle but uh, yeah it's those comfort reads are, are great to be rereading i wish i could add to the book uh Oh, no, I I figured it didn't sound like much of a Dylan right out of the gate. (laughs) I feel like it's one that you should look into, though. So (laughs) a little different energy for you. Next friends pitching. Yeah. yeah. The Night Circus. 
Yes, our next friend's pitching fantasy. Maybe I'll pitch it to Charles, and <laughs> we'll see if he selects it to be a next read. But oh, man. Uh, one series that has uh, been a victor in the friend's pitching fantasy series is the Broken Earth trilogy by N.K. Oh, Jemison. Oh my next one! <laughs> oh, I did. That's okay. so you go. Yeah. So I'm so like this is such a weird thing to say on this podcast, but be careful what you say because I have it on good authority yeah. that I promise Laura I can't know anything about this series until we read it for the podcast. Keep it really spoiler free. <laughs> yeah, mm. just well, you can you Laura, can do like a light overview and Laura just like yeah. yell at him if he oversteps. Yeah, but, I'll scream. Yeah, <laughs> well, I've got <laughs> I've got more, so I'll leave that one to you, Laura. And, uh, I'll I'll go with one of my. A favorite series and one that does not get enough credit uh, and that would be oh. the Chatherine Voyage mm -hmm. Quartet and that's by friend of the show Robert V.S. Reddick. I mean <laughs> it, this is a series that I always say this series is the reason why I am a fantasy reader at the level that I am right now because uh, when I was kind of uh, you know, getting back into fantasy reading as an adult, uh, it was mostly Game of Thrones, like mm -hmm. catalyzing this interest. Like, oh yeah, like I'm really enjoying uh, the show. Would I like There's the books? Would awesome I like TV and show? I, Have you heard of it? Yeah, <laughs> I never heard of it, but I also like reading. Yeah, I just around the same time, like, was like, I should read those books, and I so I started reading those, and then I'm like. You know, there's this whole other genre, like this whole other, you know, every book but Game of Thrones part of the genre that I haven't gotten involved with. And maybe I'd really like that uh, too. So uh, there's this site, and maybe it's still around, called bestfancybooks.com or something like that. Oh. So when you're a total newbie like me getting back into it, you're like, <clears throat> Let me go to bestfantasybooks.com and see, <laughs> see what the authority has to they, say. Yeah, they seem uh, like they know what the best fantasy books are. That sounds legit. .com. <laughs> they wouldn't give them that URL if they weren't the master of all things fantasy. <laughs> right. Sounds so, legit. Blue check. But mark. they had some books that, you know, I'd never heard of, uh, including at that point, The Kinkiller Chronicles. So I was really not knowing what was going on to. But I did find, like, what are good books that are recommended for fans of A Song of Ice and Fire? And this was one that came up. And mm -hmm. I was like, oh, it sounds really interesting. It's like uh, this uh, group of uh, mostly uh, young human characters, but also ranging to, like, talking rats and mm -hmm to go with the talking cats uh, in Monstrous. Although that could be a disaster yes. to put those two things together. But yes. uh, the there's talking rats. There's like these little warrior people and uh, all sorts of like wacky monsters and uh, like mythological figures and gods and all that kind of stuff going on in this book. Uh, and it all, for the most part, takes place on this giant ship. So you're just like on this giant ship with this uh, cast of characters, but it's so big and expansive. It's like a world onto itself. And uh, the series goes on for four books, uh, has lots of uh, like 
all the classic things you want in an epic fantasy, ranging from those monsters and Godzilla and magic and all that kind of stuff, mages, uh, to uh, like uh, all these different settings you go to that are just completely original. Like uh, something we always talk about, uh, Robert V.S. Reg's books is like he thinks of things that leave us like, dude, what? even goes on in your head that made you think of this <laughs> it's also got yeah <laughs> i mean good concerned it's like how is someone uh, coming up with all of this stuff in one person's brain because uh, and i think all that incredible world building is is part of what makes it uh, mm-hmm. such an incredible journey to embark upon multiple times and it's it's also got lovable characters like when i went to reread it we did a a read-along with the author with Yes. Robert um, so we read each book actually with him and uh, Under the Radar Books' is Blaze yes. and we recorded episodes for each book and that was like a dream come true for me because this was oh, yeah. my like first book not Game of Thrones related when I was getting back into fantasy and I, I, was, I told Robert I was like yeah if these if this series was not amazing I don't know if I would be a fantasy reader I might just be Aww. someone who was like oh I really like Game of Thrones but I don't know if I uh <laughs> If I like uh, fancy as a whole, but yeah, this is it was like coming home rereading oh. this book and oh. spending time with the characters, and also one of the most impactful and controversial endings that you'll come across. So I really like the ending, but uh, it's very controversial. What a fun little FTF origin story! There would have yeah, never been an FTF story. if you hadn't read that book series. So. No. That's your comfort book read. <laughs> yes, that's I so would sweet. say so. Yeah, that's, awesome. that's a good one. And yes, if you read it and reread it, you can join in on our Chatherine Voyage read along because those episodes are in our backlog anytime that folks want to do that. So read this for the first time if you haven't, and then read it again and again and again and again and again. So reread. And then that's enough. You know, you could try something else. <laughs> But then read it again. Was it six, six times is enough? Yeah. It's really yeah. when you get like the meatier parts of the novel. So. Yeah. Well, All I'm right. going to bring up the fifth season again. Okay. Mm-hmm. Careful. I'm, I'm going to try to be careful here because I really need Hannah to read this and I need her to experience all of the emotions that this book can evoke in you because it's a lot. And this is a multi POV story. We even get some second person POV, which is interesting. And I have read very few books that do this, but it's a really unique world. And I, I literally gasped at times because there were so many twists and things happening within this story. And I've only read the first two. I haven't read the stone sky, but And K. Jemison is doing all of the work here. It's such a deep book with so many themes. And I I really can't get over how creative that book is. And I I just cannot recommend it enough. I really am trying to (laughs) just bite my tongue here so I don't spoil anything for Hannah. But highly recommend it. And I'm excited to do a reread whenever we cover it on our podcast and Hannah can read it. Well, and I know I, I don't know anything about these novels besides I believe... Uh, Dylan, you've read the third one, and I believe that that has third person, right? 
or am I incorrect? Uh, all of, yeah, even the first yeah. book. Has, oh, okay. Yeah. Just person. play around with tenses. It's, okay. Yeah. Yes. Uh, okay. I mean, it's a very unique book, and uh, we've got Sam Kaplan uh, saying, you know, like, it's on another level. Not prepared for how mind-blowingly good it was going to be. Uh, and, you know, like Jonathan Navarro saying how it was just well. Fifth season was just well. And that's kind of <laughs> yeah. uh, sums it up extremely well. Because it's there are things that this book and series do that I have never seen anything like it. Like how they how she plays with format, and I will mm-hmm. I'll keep it mm-hmm. vague and high level about that. But yeah. how she plays with format and and certain other things that she does are just something I've never seen before and haven't seen since in all my days of fantasy reading. And I think it's like it's so hard to pull off some of the things that she pulls off. I mean, down to just like the basic of doing second person, like how yeah. brave that was to try to write a book <laughs> with a hefty percentage of it in second person. Like, but it works extremely well for what she's trying to do. And uh, yeah, I'll, I'll not say much more because yeah. I'm respecting I, Hannah's. Uh, I, I'm so uh, sorry that I'm like closing off. Don't be the sorry because it's not I, the rule. I need I to put see the video <laughs> of you watching it or you reading this because <laughs> It's just going to be so great. I will say that um, I, I I know very little about this trilogy other than I purchased it all three myself because I wanted to read these books. And I even pitched these books knowing nothing about them other than I was pretty sure that they were amazing. Uh, they did not win <laughs> out in our voter selected uh, choices, but they were books that I'm dying to read. And now I can't know anything about them until we cover them no. on the podcast. So, but I do know that... Um, her next book series, at least the first book, The City We Became, also has incredibly unique storytelling. I know a little bit yes. more about that one because I have close friends who have read it and they talk about like the world building and how unique she is in The City We Became. And so I, I can't wait to find out more about these books. And I can imagine that they're definite rereads. So, yeah. Um, and it's they're great rereads. I mean, uh, that's what I did in advance of our recording on it. And uh, we, the way you get to see her building toward uh, everything. Yeah, certain, yeah, <laughs> certain, let's just say reveals. Something. Is that uh, there are reveals okay. in the book, Hannah? I hate to. Yes, uh, spoil there are reveals. That, there are plot certain, lines. There are themes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, plot lines, themes. Uh, sh- the way she builds towards certain reveals, you get to see really how masterful it is on the reread and. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, in the past, I used to say three Hugo Awards can't be wrong, but I won't say that anymore because uh, I think we've we've learned certain things about the Hugos that yeah. suggest that maybe three Hugos or one Hugo or whatever could be wrong. But uh, I will say N.K. Jemison's uh, books are worthy of any awards you can throw at them, <laughs> legitimate ones. Yeah, those uh, are deserving of all the awards. <laughs> So my next pick is one I know all three of us read uh, and we talked about uh, because I did a buddy read with Dylan, uh, Namina Forna's The Gilded Ones series. Uh, So this is a little bit of a spoiler for, I mean, it's announced on our podcast, but we're having Namina on the podcast next week. So we literally uh, (laughs) just got off our recording with her. (laughs) And um, in preparing for that, I uh, reread both the books and on reread, I... I think 
rereading these books is well worth it. These are YA novels about um, uh, a girl, Deka, who is part of a pretty like patriarchal and oppressive society who um, girls, when they become quote unquote women, um, have to test their purity. And if they bleed gold, they are seen as demons and they are, uh, they suffer the death penalty. And Deka finds out that she is one of these people but she gets the opportunity to uh, become a warrior and fight against uh, these death shriek creatures that uh, are like ravaging their society. And she learns a lot and she learns that there's more that meets the eye in both books. Um, and uh, I reread these books and there's so much plot to these books that you don't see the first time. There are so many like deeper and darker themes. Uh, and after talking to Namina, like, the way she built these books was so interesting and intricate that I really think even for a YA novel, like these books are incredibly serious and deep. And mm -hmm. I remember Dylan, when you and I first started reading them, we were both like YA question mark. Because <laughs> um, it, it's pretty heavy pretty early on. Uh, and so I, I, I think after rereading these books over the course of like a year, uh, they're well worth a reread. Absolutely. Yeah. For sure. I mean, I was ridiculously impressed by how she tackles some of those big picture themes like patriarchal societies, oppression, and it's just how you can pack that into something that is also as accessible as it needs to be to be a young adult novel mm -hmm. is just like really amazing. I'm excited to check out uh, your interview and it sounds like it, some of the some of those things can be appreciated even more on the reread when you're not yeah, just yeah. like being floored that certain things are happening yes. that you just did not ever expect to happen. Yeah, because there's a lot of shocking things <laughs> like, that happen in that series where yeah. all of a sudden you're like, "Wait, who can't I trust now?" And you're yeah. just like, "The next page." Yeah, so that's uh, that's a great pick. Um, that interview is going to be top notch, I'm sure. Hopefully. It You'll was have great to, to talk with <laughs> Namina. She was yeah. fantastic. We were both fangirling yeah. by the end of it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's uh, let's get into a series that I actually didn't really love on my first oh. read. And uh, it's a, a classic of relatively modern fantasy. Uh, but it's starts with Assassin's Apprentice by Robin Hobb. It's a Farseer trilogy. And it is uh, definitely one of those pillars of uh, like uh, beloved epic fantasy books that kind of like set the tone. It was, it was published in the 90s, okay? Set the tone for a lot of modern fantasy. You can see its impact on, on people like Patrick Rothfuss and doing the Kingkiller Chronicle and all of that. Um, it centers around a character named Fitz, who is a uh, prince's bastard, and uh, he... Basically, just his birth, they call him the catalyst because it just sets off this chain of reaction where, uh, like, the whole line of succession could be messed up, and uh, the next in line for the throne has to just, like, leave and go into obscurity because he, uh, like, it was his kid, and uh, all these things happen. Then he gets kind of embroiled into uh, the politics of a society that he 
doesn't understand at all. And he's this character that is like known for being a bit of a doormat. Like, yeah, so uh, I guess Tim Kaplan, oh God, Robin Hobb writes the most deliciously painful character work. Bender in here saying, wow, love Hob, but I just can't reread it. My heart cannot withstand that again. That's a good point. So for me, it was like I read this book relatively early into my like entrance back into fantasy. So I'm like a bastard of a noble embroiled in <laughs> politics and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, you mean Jon Snow? And it's nothing, <laughs> it's nothing like Game of Thrones or anything like that, even though the premise could seem that way, because it is uh, just, it's like a character study of this one person who is, uh, he feels so real. And in that way, it can be super frustrating at times yeah. because he's being relatively passive like lots of real people are like most people are not like Jon Snow uh, <laughs> but it's yeah it's frustrating when you're coming in and you're expecting maybe something more action-packed or uh, something with more drama it's just no, you're kind of going to sit with this kid in his life and maybe there'll be certain moments that really stick out as being dramatic. But most of it, you're just going to be, even if you love the books, you're going to be screaming, Fitz, why? Why, Fitz? Why do you do this to me and you? But it's uh, my first read. I was screaming that internally. And I was also like, I don't get it. Like, I don't really get the hype. And it took me years before I went back and reread it. And then I was like, oh, this is actually masterful. And it's actually really impressive to write a story where you are this close to like, it's a, a first person, single point of view. You're this close to the person and you feel like you know him this intimately and to write an interesting fantasy book that is not based in just like, swords and giant battles and warfare but based in character and uh, just relationships and subtlety and robin hobb is just such an incredible writer and the way that she builds characters and relationships is like pretty much unmatched that being said uh i if your heart can't take a reread, I understand that. So if it's more for the folks who have read it and weren't sure about it, because there are a lot of people you'll see who will say, like, I don't get it. Like, I found this really boring. And for those of you, it's like, I understand. I was one of you. But you can you can. But change. you're wrong. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I'm going to delve into some cozy fantasy and go with a super hyped book that's deserving of all the hype, and that's Legends and Lattes by Travis Baldry. Mm. I've reread this phrase. three times now, <laughs> and I adore it. it. It's just the ultimate comfort read, and I just, the whole atmosphere, and Travis Baldry is just an excellent character writer. I Chef's Kiss, that book is phenomenal, and I, I can't recommend it enough. Like, if you need something just to kind of feel good or to relax with, the audiobook is great and also the print version is great. So you can't go wrong with format. I mean, Laura loves Legends and Lattes. I yes. was, I will admit, 
here on the record that I did prefer uh, bookshops and bone dust, which I kept ca calling bone shops and book dust before <laughs> an interview, which was very uh, <laughs> scary. But um, I also very much enjoyed those books. I think that yes, they're amazing. They're so good. I love Viv so much. What a great character. Viv is phenomenal. And I just love reading about someone who just wants to open a coffee shop and mm -hmm. will do it. Just Baldry has like such a knack for making like simple things in life seem so important and just oh, I I love that. It doesn't life doesn't always have to be a big battle or a big quest. You can just have an ordinary life and it can be extremely important and meaningful. And I I love that about his writing. Yeah. Mm. That's so cool. I mean, I've seen all the hype, of course, like it, and it's great to hear that it lives up to it. It is Absolutely. interesting. It's definitely, I mean, if I was sitting there not that long ago being like, uh, the Farseer trilogy doesn't have enough action for me. I think it's probably <laughs> another step toward the cozy fantasy to be like, uh, okay, I have to just be okay with the fact that these characters, they might be in a fantasy world, but they're just gonna open up a cafe and that's all right like for me that mentality is huge and <laughs> i think sounds like the cozy fantasy fits perfectly for oh. a, a comfort read type of situation yes uh beth tabler laura said that assistant to the villain is even more cozy by hannah Ooh. nicole mayer so you should definitely write that down i have to check that out because i yeah. i do like cozy fantasy we read miss percy's pocket guide to the karen oh. of british dragons by quemby olsen that book has my heart i <laughs> i love it so, so much good. oh what a good book um this is a little bit of a weirder book to say that I would reread and definitely not cozy at all. Uh, it, but I'm kind of obsessed with the backstory of this book and I would definitely reread this in a heartbeat. It's a novella. It's called The Deep by Rivers Solomon. Yes. Um, it is incredibly interesting. It is about, um, it's a book that uh, is based on the fact that like, it, it, sorry, I have to be careful with how I speak on it, but like it was born from a song that was created for this American life. And then it became a novella about um, what happened to uh, African slave women who were tossed overboard when they are coming over to the Americas. And uh, <laughs> it is incredible, not exactly cozy. Um, and then um, in this book, it kind of reimagines where they become like a type of mermaid almost. Uh, and all of their pain and trauma goes into one individual uh mer person pretty much who takes on that memory for them uh and their need to escape from it and escape from this and it's written in such a unique and beautiful way that like it's so melodic because it was born of a song um and river solomon is an excellent writer and like they go on kind of self-discovery and kind of how to find oneself in the world and try to like relieve yourself of your trauma and then to re-experience it when you know that it may harm others and everything is beautiful and it's great. And it is very lyrical, as Beth Tabler said. Uh, I'm glad yeah. someone else has read one of my books because I feel like I keep pitching books that people are like, have not I read, have read that. that as well, Hannah. <laughs> okay. I have read that as well. I completely agree. Yeah, and it's it's amazing, and I love reading it, and then I love like listening to like David Diggs rap to it. Like everything yes. about how this book was built is amazing, and so like I want to reread this novel. I want to listen to its backstory at all times, and I adore this one. Mm -hmm. All right, the two kind of opposite ends of the spectrum <laughs> of great reread books. I like there's like the cozy. This just I want to experience this over and over again, and there's the 
oh, like this has so much that I need to chew on here that I just have to give it another go. Yes. Need to be re-traumatized. Could describe Laura's energy versus my energy. <laughs> oh my. That's pretty fair. <laughs> oh no. What does that say about us? Uh, I don't know, but it says worse about me. <laughs> All right. Well, hard to follow that, but I would be remiss as a member of the Friends Talking Fantasy podcast if I didn't start talking about the first law series by Joe Crombie. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> like King Killer and First Law, they're pretty much my favorite series out there so it's uh it's it's tough not to feel like they apply to everything but i do think that first law applies very well to the reread which it's a little bit tough to talk about without spoilers um uh, have you two either of you the, read first law i thought you. Yeah, i've yeah, read the first yeah. and the second one and then i got oh, the got third it. one from the library and i forgot to read it and then i had to return it you forgot so. <laughs> Uh, either way the series well i'll uh, i'll do my best without spoilers here but first law series probably most people are familiar with it it's like the one of the go-to grimdark recommendations it uh, follows uh, several characters including uh, logan nine fingers who's this barbarian who's trying to leave his bloody past behind him. It's got uh, Glockta, who's a torturer and for some reason one of the most beloved characters in fantasy. And it's got a whole other slew of great characters. And <laughs> yeah, Beth Tabler, of course, uh, has has never heard of the First Law series <laughs> in her time running Before We Go blog. Um, but it's... Uh, so... It is grimdark, but it's also really funny. And I think mm -hmm. like that's something that helps you, you know, like deal with the the more dreary side of things as Joe Abercrombie's voice and his wit shines through and it, it's going to hold up no matter how many times you read it. And the the biggest part of why First Law is great upon a reread is these first of all, the the first three books in the first law series, like the, the first law trilogy, they're basically like one big book. Like mm -hmm. they tell one complete story rather than like wrapping up a complete story with the first book. Like Hannah, you could probably speak to uh, having read the blade itself. It's like this whole book feels like a build up to something yeah. that doesn't necessarily end up happening so it builds uh, up to uh, them and, departing on a journey <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> which is you know kind of in that old lord of the rings model of how to start a series but most series nowadays people nowadays people oftentimes are looking for that like standalone with sequel potential which means like <laughs> i can't stand these standalone effects. with sequel They're potential so yay. annoying yeah, this is that's because that's the piece. Of it. that's what I, oh. I don't know what I said, but it's <laughs> it's a big disturbance. Uh, but I think you that love the continuational potential of all three novels <laughs> and how they work together. Yes. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Now the idea is we have basically these character arcs 
that all kind of add up to Joe Abercrombie's like thesis, if you will. Mm -hmm. And the ending can take some people by surprise, but, and some people are dissatisfied with the ending. In fact, like Charles, who's one of Abercrombie's biggest fans, like the first time he read, he was like, I didn't really like the ending. And then we went back and we reread it and you kind of understand what Abercrombie is building toward. And Charles basically had a moment of like, oh, I get it now. And (laughs) I won't say more about what the ending is, but seeing all the character arcs and what they're building toward with the ending in mind and knowing certain characters, uh, how they you know their motivations might not be clear at the start but they uh they come to be clear later on like changes everything it's a totally new series on the reread uh more than basically any any series that i've talked about today or that i've read i mean the ftf podcast is experts on the joe abercrombie uh Oofra. This is, this uh, is known. <laughs> we like to think so. But I do, I do, I did enjoy my read of those. I the first two books I will continue on at some point in time. Uh but I do like Abercrombie as someone who is a master of like trying to play with certain archetypes and really like dive into them and turn them on their heads or find different aspects that you wouldn't normally see in a character like that. And I did that did read through on my first read through. And I can only imagine what that does on the second or third read through read through where you know where they're going. And so you can see how he's playing with them. Cause I do think he, he, is someone who knows the set, you know, the first book is set up to the second book. And I'm sure the third book is, you know, the payoff and the resolution of all of those aspects. And I do think he probably knows what he's doing. And he's someone who definitely has that in it. So I would be interested in rereads where I, I kind of know what to expect and I can just see it all play out. Definitely. Oh. Obligatory Sanderson and Malzahn. I have them on my list, but they, I have Mistborn and Malzahn on my list. <laughs> Uh, Laura looked a little scared Uh, (laughs) it seems really deep and I don't know if I'm ready to tackle something that long uh, yeah me neither I I mean uh, (laughs) I've read the first story it's dense oh me or Sanderson Sanderson I've read almost everything but um, Malzahn I've read the first three and uh, knew what was going on about 20 to 30 percent of the time uh laura and i have only read the robert jordan brando sandos <laughs> whoops <Whoa. laughs> daisies uh <laughs> ultimate dishonor apparently <laughs> yikes uh, you have right. to read Dallas on three times to understand 70 percent of the content uh, that i don't is have time for that <laughs> <laughs> it's Look, tough I... I mean it's a series that like the fans of Malzahn are intense. Like they love it more than life itself. And you start thinking, okay, there's gotta be something here. And they reread it more than like any fan base rereads any <laughs> series. So I, oh. I mean, it's hard on the first read, which is why it does make a lot of sense to reread, but it's 10 books and it's like the longest it's longer than stormlight archive all put together it's longer than wheel of time all put together like all 14 oh wheel of time books like it's significantly more words than that so it's it's that's tough. scary uh- that sounds like too much <laughs>
Look, I don't reread books. I went on. <laughs> <laughs> Let alone to reread all of that. Yikes. That would Three be a times. Lot. Like, that's a lot of rereading, guys. Oh. I will say if you're switching formats, though, like, I don't know if I would reread The Wheel of Time in print, but I love the audiobook narrators, mm-hmm. Michael mm-hmm. Kramer and Kate Redding. So I would definitely listen to those books again yeah. on a reread. I would yeah. say the same. I would re-listen so if that's to the, the Wheel of if Time. that's the case for those long series, maybe if they have really good narrators, narrators. I can see that. But yeah, really well, long Malzahn series is like, like that. Everyone says like don't audiobook Malzon oh, because it's just oh. the first book alone. So I just pitched the first book to Charles at as part of friends pitching fantasy um so we'll see what he ends up selecting and he was daunted by uh the task and uh i believe that's my choice if i uh, charles pitched dune to me so no okay i'm only laughing because i didn't realize laura was answering that question for the friends pitching fantasy because bender just put any sci-fi recommendations and you were just chit-chatting oh it works for both what were you trying to answer that was really rude she was trying to do the friends pitching fantasy one but i thought she just saw the comment got really excited was like, but i do <laughs> recommend that actually <laughs> dune uh for some sci-fi rereads i also loved uh light from uncommon stars by rika yes. aoki uh excellent sci-fi uh so good lots of like there's aliens there's donuts there's demons that doesn't all seem to fit in one but like you definitely want to read it yeah. um also psalm for the wild built by becky chambers uh, yeah. automatic rereads mm-hmm. because laura adores those novellas yes. I, I want to make them. those part of my personality somehow. yeah <laughs> i live with someone who like has reread them like multiple times those are so easy to read uh Laura. The Murderbot Diaries. If oh. we would be oh, remiss yeah. if we did not mention the Murderbot Diaries, those are extremely <sighs> consumable. They're definitely so perfect uh, for rereads. Martha Wells is amazing. Just the character yes. she made in Murderbot throughout the course of the series is just undeniably amazing. Uh, Laura, I would also you? say Children of Time by Adrian Tchaikovsky yeah. would be great in a reread. I, I mm-hmm. loved the first book and I'm making my way through the second book right now. And these are highly creative books that take you in directions that you wouldn't necessarily expect to be going. And so I, I would definitely recommend yeah. Children of Time. Uh, Laura disagrees with me here, but this is how you lose the time war. One of my all time favorites. Oh, there we go. There it is. I, hey, Hannah, I, I have reread that one. Oh, you have reread it. But... I read book. that book three times. I still don't know what happened. <laughs> yeah. no, uh, literally holding the book out of view, being like, when they stop talking, I don't know what to talk about. <laughs> Sorry, this Dylan. is how you lose the time war. <laughs> <laughs> love that go book ahead, it's Anna. so good no go ahead i will not I, we were talking too much about sci-fi wrecks because we got so excited oh, so. No, this was my sci-fi wreck i mean it's a hard <laughs> science fiction but it's definitely more sci-fi than it is fantasy i um, would agree it is that. yeah i i described oh, let me see if i can remember what i used i described it as uh spy versus spy meets romeo and juliet in a like uh, if there was a if it was surrounded by like a war uh, based on two like different factions trying to control the fate of time mm. um so that is this is how you lose the time more it's an epistolary novel yeah. and it is just 
the one of the most beautifully written uh, books. It is a story too that the only times I really see people not liking it is a Laura like, when people <laughs> are Lord. Did you not like this is how you lose the time? I, I can't say if I liked it or I, if I didn't like it. It didn't work with my brain. Like it doesn't work wow. with my brain chemistry. Like I've, uh, I've literally listened to it twice and I read it once. You and reread I, it. it yeah, I've, I have reread that book. So I guess She's I can recommend it so as a reread. Times. Yeah. But I or literally not recommend Dylan, it if you didn't right, like it. Yeah. I, I, I guess I liked it. I don't know. <laughs> I don't I don't know what happens, so I can't say. I didn't know what happened, Dylan, until I listened to you talk about it on FDF to explain it to Charles. And I was like, oh, so that's what happened. I had no clue. <laughs> that was a spoiler-free episode. I guess I did a bad job. <laughs> I mean, she needed the even, the summary, <laughs> I just, even the summary. I had no no clue. I like, uh, read the back of the book, and you're like, oh, that's uh, what happened. Also, I should have got the paperback. I had the ebook. Also, guys, for science fiction, if you've never picked it up, it's the weirdest, smallest book. But like, it's called Our Wives Under the Sea by Julia Armfield. I'm obsessed with this novel. Uh, I recommend it to people all the time as well. Uh, it's about a woman who like goes uh, on a like deep sea diving exposition, or not deep sea diving, but she goes into the deep sea like on a mission and she comes back changed and it's like a discussion between her and her wife between what's going on it's kind of like you don't know what's happening she feels like she's changing and it's like a very weird and haunting like exploration of like love loss and grief and it's such a weird novel but i adored it so much so i highly recommend that one for sci-fi as well and i'm surprised you did not say annihilation by jeff vandermeer Oh my gosh! Well, that's one of your favorite. <laughs> you just want to bring it up, uh, <laughs> Annihilation by Jeff Vandermeer. I am obsessed with Jeff Vandermeer. He's my favorite. Uh, yes, thank you, Annihilation. It's so freaking good. I have read like almost all of the books he puts out because I'm so obsessed with him. Uh, Annihilation is just one of those weird little science fiction novels where you read it and you're like, "What did I just read? Let me pick it up and read it again." And then you're going to very disturbing. It again. You want to reread it again just to be like, I guess I need to figure this out more. Like, but okay. will I? No, because that's the point. You're never going to figure it out. Yep. And it's awesome. But you want to reread it so many times to like yeah. find out what you missed or what went on. And like his his pros are like so amazing. Just the way they meld with your mind and they make you feel mm. like yes. really disturbed, but really like satisfied. It's such a strange, bizarre, like it scratches my brain in just the right way. I'm obsessed with that series. When Laura started reading them last year, I was like super excited because I never yeah. get excited about friends reading books that I love that much. Um, but I like I even remember the specific time and place I first read those books in like I was like in a specific bar in Chicago and I would just like read them by like barely any light. But I loved them that much that I just needed to have them like in my soul. So those are great rereads obsessed. I've never seen the movie. I don't know if it's worth it because <laughs> I'm so scared. Um, so did what did you like the movie? At least I heard it's more like horror than anything else. But. Um, it was weird. Like it was beautiful. Like <laughs> the then at the end, I was just kind of like, "What? 
That's like, the book. That was my reaction. <laughs> that sounds like, similar to the reading experience. Exactly <laughs> the book you read. <laughs> yeah, I mean, for me, sometimes I'm not always the best with that. Like, I want some sort of. I'm okay with ambiguous endings, mm-hmm. but I'm not okay with like. I literally do not understand at all what is right. even being implied by uh, the like. What are even the possibilities of what just happened? <laughs> Uh, we have some questions about like there's a movie. Uh, yes, they whitewashed the uh, main character into Natalie Portman. Um, so make sure you're like looking up that stuff because she wasn't white. Yep, not great. <laughs> but uh, and we so have bad. Bender saying the movie was bad. So I've never seen the movie because I was scared. But uh, yeah, I I love that series though. It's it like. It's, it was beautiful, but at the end, I was like, what? That's exactly how you feel reading the books, but in the good way, not the bad way. Can I throw out one more sci-fi wreck? Project Hail yeah. Mary by Andy Weir. Oh, yeah. It's so, so good. good. So good. I, I can't say enough good things about The Martian and Project Hail Mary, but Project Hail Mary just really hits my cozy heart. I, I love it. Yeah. I mean... That is, it's weirdly heartwarming for yes. the premise of someone, like at least at the start, like mm-hmm. just lost in space with no yeah. memory of how that even happened, like slowly getting their memory back. The but best it's... friendship created, like uh, what an unlikely duo. I love it. So good. Definitely. Yeah. Oh, and then it went for audio, by the way, I'll say. Oh, good. okay. Like that as a as a wreck but hannah you were saying i was just gonna say beth wanted to throw one out there and it's like yeah. throw one out go for it um but yeah i have not listened to anything by andy weir yet or read anything by andy weir but i need to you should hannah the martian uh-huh. and project Hail mary are some all-time faves no fake yeah. gloss no fake uh-huh. gloss i, I wish beth were were video here so <laughs> I'm sure she, she can provide a lot of info about it it's yeah. nothing gloss it's called Calden's or, oh it's a planet their planet is destroyed family is gone and his only hope for survival is a crew of misfit aliens and a mysterious ship that seems to have a soul and a universe of its own I'm sold Ooh. I'm sold like yeah, yeah that's that's, I like cool. it I like it yeah, I'm I'm ready to read it and reread it. So thank you for yes. the suggestion. So uh nice. Yeah. All right. Well, folks, that was a ton of fun. I guess nice. I have to, uh, yeah. Hannah Play that Laura, sweet, sweet outro music. Yeah, Dylan. We don't have well <laughs> we have the even dumb, sweeter music. <laughs> <laughs> Your new uh, music is so great. I I love it. I'm always like jamming out to it. <laughs> yeah it's uh it's a wonderful opportunity to discuss uh rereading i think that we get to know some some people's favorite books like if you're willing to give it another go after mm-hmm. already reading it yeah. it's like uh, you must either really adore this or be in pure work mode or so be confused as laura yeah. was but this is how you yeah. the time <laughs> or you're just trying to figure some things out <laughs> yeah but it's uh yeah always a delight i'm always happy when i get the chance to collab with you too i also 
thank you so much for being available on short notice. Uh, you two are are my heroes. So uh-huh. I'm very <laughs> thank you for having us. Very yeah. thankful. Yeah. Thank you uh, so much for having us. Uh, we appreciate you asking us. Yeah. And where can people find you on the wonderful World Wide Web? Yeah. Well, you can find us at ourpod.com. That's O-W-W-R pod for on Wednesdays we read. Uh, you can find our episodes on all or on anywhere you get your podcasts. And we can be found on, you know, on the um the app that will not be named and on the artist Instagram. formerly known as Twitter. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, and on Blue Sky and on Threads at OWWR Pod. So just an Instagram too. We're more Inst- active yeah. on Instagram, I feel like. Yes, we are. <laughs> we are the most active on Instagram. Yeah. So check us out there. And where can people find you, Dylan? Oh, great question. <laughs> they can find us at the FDF Podcast One uh, on the artist formerly known as twitter and you can also find us at the fdf podcast on instagram and if you're uh, viewing us on youtube and uh, you're wondering where are all the youtube videos for friends talking fantasy podcasts i'm sorry like no (laughs) presence on here so if you want to listen to the podcast you know your favorite podcast app like spotify apple podcast etc should be able to find us on there but you know what Just listening to this episode is more than enough. And thank you all for actually tuning in live. Like that's super cool to get to interact with you all. And uh, we're, we're really grateful. Tons of fun. Thanks all. Yeah. Thank you. All right. This does.